morning, everybody. Good morning. My name's Christina Villiana. I'm the children's director here. I'm not the pastors. But on occasion, they let me come up here and speak when they're out of town. And right now, they're celebrating their anniversary and having an amazing time as a couple and strengthening their marriage. And how many of us are so happy for that? Yes. So today, I'm going to talk to you guys about proximity. And the title of my sermon is Proximity Matters. Now, I'm a teacher, teacher at heart in all things, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this a fun interactive service. And you're going to hear me repeat some things over and over, because as a teacher, what I repeat is what I want you to remember. So, proximity is important. So let's go ahead and turn to Psalms 145, verse 2. So in Psalms 145, verse 2, it says, Every day I'll bless you and praise your name forever and ever. So I want you guys to say every day. Every day. Every day. That says every day I'll bless you. So in Genesis 1, God created heaven and earth. And on the fourth day, he established a 24-hour period of time. He created day and night. And in doing that, he established time, right? 24-hour period. See, God is, he is huge, all-encompassing, right? And in order to allow us to experience him, he gave us time, days. He divided his greatness into daily portions, right? So God is huge, and there's so much to him. And he said, well, you can experience me on a daily basis. So he established time. Now, if our walk with God is going to be experienced to the fullest, appreciated at its best, right, that means we're experiencing God to the utmost, then we need to be experiencing it every single day. We have to have those daily portions because there are some things, and this part's important, there's some things that unless we are experiencing and working with God on a daily basis, we will never come to know it. We will hear of it, we'll hear people talk of it, but we'll never actually experience it for ourselves. I'm going to explain that to you in this example. So take being healthy and exercising and working out, right? If you work out and you're watching what you eat three out of seven days of the week, you're going to get some results, right? If you're doing it five out of seven days of the week, you'll see a bit more results. But if you are focused on your health and your well-being seven days a week, then you get a whole different set of results than anybody else did, don't you, right? So I've asked people before you walk up to people, maybe you haven't seen them in a while and they look super healthy and you're like, wow, what'd you do? How are you so fit? I mean, you look amazing. I know your life is busy, like what did you do? And then they give you their answer, right? And sometimes they give you this answer and you think, ooh, yeah, that's, you do you. That's a little much for me, right? But then I have to ask myself, well, what results do I want, right? Because if you talk to those people, and I'm not talking about the crazy people who are working out five hours a day, eating a baby leaf of lettuce and calling it food, right? But if you ask them what do they do, this is what you hear all the time. You hear that it's about consistency. It's about discipline. It's about time and effort, Every single person in this room, all of you can tell me how to be healthy. Every one of you can tell me how to lose weight. We all know. We all know exactly what we have to do 
to be healthy, to lose weight, to get toned. But who's actually willing to put in the effort and the time and the discipline to achieve those results, right? So the question becomes, how badly do you want to change your life? Everyone in this room can tell me, most of you anyways, you can tell me how to walk by faith. You can tell me how to grow in your relationship with God. You know how to grow in God and get better with God. But who in this room is willing to put in the time, the effort, the discipline, and the consistency? So then our question becomes, how badly do you want that kind of relationship with God? Right? See the... If we're not being consistent with God, if there's not a continual progression in God, then there are some of the best parts of God you'll never know. Like I said, you'll hear people tell of it, but in order to experience God, you have to have proximity. There's that word again, proximity. Now, God, in the first chapter of Genesis, it says that the Spirit of God moved. You see, God moves all the time. Pastor Terry even said that when he was up here. I think I heard Karina and Ryan said, I heard it said a few times up here, God moves. There's even a song about it. God is on the move, on the move. Hallelujah, right? God is on the move in many mighty ways. There's a reason I don't sing up here, but he's on the move, right? He's moving. Now, Jesus came to earth. He grew a little bit. Now he's an adult. And we see one of his first interactions with people. He said, Follow me. You're seeing this now. God's on the move. And Jesus said, follow me. Now, if you've ever followed anybody in traffic, and you're trying to get somewhere, right? The best way to follow them, especially when you don't know the way, is to get up right behind that person. You have to have proximity, don't you? Yeah, because if you're dependent on them to get where you're going, then you're going to ensure you are right behind them and you are following them. You're going to have proximity to them, right? You don't want to lose sight or lose track of who you're following. Because when you do, what happens? You get lost. You're at the wrong destination. So I have two stories for you. One is when I was a teenager. So I am a naturally very short person. And I'm actually going to be 40 this year. So as a teen, you can imagine just how short I really was. So we were at Disneyland, and uh, we were in a group of friends as teenagers, and one of the guys in the group, he's like six foot three, and at the end of the day, if you've never been to Disneyland, it's mass chaos when everyone's trying to exit the park. And we're talking 20 plus years ago, so it didn't look as nice and put together as it does nowadays. They didn't have the nice parking structure. It's not what it was like. So the discussion in the group was, none of us know where we parked, because we're teens, didn't pay attention to that. So it was, you hold on to my backpack, And we'll navigate our way through, and we'll all be outside the gate. Okay. So I'm holding on to this blue backpack, and we're going, and we're going. And we're passing this window, and I let go, and I looked in the window just for a second. And I turned back around, and I was like, ooh, where's the backpack? And then I saw it, and I grabbed on, and I went for about another minute. And then all of a sudden, my friend turns around, and it's not my friend. (laughs) Now, why this guy let me hold his backpack for, like, a good solid minute, I don't know. But he turned around, and I was like, oh, no. And now you're looking around. And suddenly, you're lost in chaos. I don't know where anybody is. I thought I had the backpack. I mean, it's the same looking backpack. It took just a second to lose sight of what I had to hold on to to get to where I was going, right? 
And I thought I had the right backpack. I thought I jumped back on that train and I was doing good. And turns out I was following the wrong thing. Looked real similar though. There's another story about a friend. They were following, uh, they had friends following them to a restaurant for dinner. And they get to the restaurant and they can't find their friends. So they call them. And they're like, hey, where are you guys? And they go, well, we're following you. And they're standing there and go like, well, you're following somebody, but it's not us, right? I don't know where you are. See, when the proximity moves or stretches a bit, then space is given, right? And someone can get in between you. And the taillights can look the same. The color and make and model of that car can look the same, but it's not the same car, right? You have to follow right up close, keeping your eyes forward. And if, there, if you start to notice there's too much space, then you tuck in, right? You kind of tuck back in and make sure no one can get in between you guys. If you're following someone, it's up to you to stay on them. It's up to you to keep the proximity. God is on the move. He's going places, and he said, follow me. It's up to me. So where is my proximity to him? God's not just going to be circling the spiritual roundabout waiting for you to hop on board, he's going to move, right? And he said, follow me. Proximity needs to be maintained not on a seasonal basis, not on a guest speaker basis, not on yearly conferences, not even on a weekly basis. That's too much space. Daily basis. Everyone say every day. Every day. See, Sunday we come to church on purpose. I said that earlier. We're drawing near to God, right? And he's drawing near to us. We're entering into worship. And we can feel ourselves pushing towards God, drawing near to him, and he's drawing near to us. Way back in the Bible times, you couldn't just draw near to God. Only the priest could. And that was sketchy at best because if you weren't like with it, then you weren't going to live, right? But then Jesus died and shed his precious blood so that I can go to him anytime I want. I can stop anywhere I am and spend that time with him, and abide with him, right? But if our walk with God, our Christianity, our drawing near to him, if it's only practiced on Sundays, on a weekly basis, then what happens on Monday? See, God's on the move. He's moving, but we stop following. Or maybe we followed him on Monday, and on Tuesday, it's a busy day, so I'm going to do one of those, love you, God, okay, I got to go, got to get on track. Kind of like the backpack. I let go for just a second. Thought I'd grab back on, right? I heard Patsy Caminetti say this one time. She said, there aren't really backsliders. You hear that a lot in Christianity. Backsliders, right? Oh, they were backsliding. She goes, there aren't really backsliders. There are people who just didn't stay up on God. He moved on, and they stayed put. They didn't follow. There was no more proximity. He wants us to follow him in daily increments. When you're working out and you're eating healthy, you don't just, boom, suddenly you're fit and healthy. We all wish you would, but you don't. It takes that consistency, that time, that dedication, that effort to achieve the results you want, right? So Psalms sixty-eight, nineteen. says, blessed be the Lord who bears our burdens and carries us day by day. And the New King James Version, it says, blessed be the Lord who daily 
loads us with benefits. Daily. Say daily. Daily. You guys are awesome today. Now we're going to jump over to Ephesians 1.3. For those of you who are flipping, I'm sorry. I'm going slow. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Every spiritual blessing. Okay. So here's an epiphany I had, and I'm going to share it with you. How many are experiencing to the full all spiritual blessings, everything God has to offer you every day of your life? Yeah, me neither. I was like, hmm. But it says he daily loads us with benefits, and he's given us every spiritual blessing, doesn't it? So I thought to myself, why don't I see this manifesting daily in my life? Because God said he gave it. Every spiritual blessing daily loads me. So let's jump back to that exercise analogy. I'm telling you, you guys are going to leave here wanting to eat healthy and exercise. Uh, you ask yourself, why am I not losing weight? Why am I not feeling healthier? Why am I not getting more toned? And the question is, well, where's your consistency? Where's your effort? Where's your time? Where's your discipline? It all goes together, doesn't it? See, if we're daily loaded with benefits, then we need to daily be taking those blessings and enacting them daily. Divine health is given daily. But am I taking it daily and acting it daily? So I'm going to give you an example. I was talking to Joe Purcell when he was here, and we were talking a little bit about um, mine and Raleigh's lifestyle. And he, he mentioned to me, he said, wow, you must, you must really work at standing against fear a lot because my husband's job is incredibly dangerous. And I walked away from that, and I thought, he has no idea. Because there was about two years of my life where fear was rampant. And it was when we, he first got into what he was doing, they told us, oh, yes, it's an extremely dangerous job, but don't worry, they're so good at what they do, it's rare that anyone gets hurt. And the very first time he left, it was bad. People died, injuries for life. And suddenly the door opened for me, and I was, I just let fear in. And it got to the point where you're consumed. Have you ever been consumed with fear and anxiety? To where, I mean, it was just me. We didn't have kids yet. So I'm by myself in an apartment. And if lights came in the window, I started to freak out that they were going to knock on the door and tell me my husband wasn't coming home. So I didn't want to look out the window. And I didn't want to answer my phone. Because one of the things was is my friend would get called before me. That was one of the things we had set up. So I was always afraid if her name popped up on my phone, it freaked out. And it's not that I didn't have God. I knew the word. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. He gave it to me. Every spiritual blessing, I have it. So what was, what was happening? Some days I was standing on it and I was doing good. And then other days I wasn't. And I finally reached this place where you have to ask yourself, what results do I want? Same with exercise, right? What do I want? And I reached this all-consuming place where my life wasn't even functioning right, and I was super sick from just the consuming of all of it. And I said, I don't want this. So I realized, God's given me it. God said I don't have a spirit of fear. So I need to take it and enact it. 
And I started putting up scripture all over my walls and my mirrors. And every day I listened to sermons. Every night I went to sleep with the same sermons playing over and over and over about no fear. Didn't matter how many times I heard it. I'm going to hear it again and hear it again and hear it again. What's happening? I'm putting in the time, the effort, the dedication. Some people might think, well, that's a little overkill that you always do that in your spare time. You know what? I wanted results. So I'm going to put in that effort and put in that time, and put in that dedication, right? Same with healing. It's given to you daily. We have healing. And as I was studying this, this isn't in my notes, just going to jump off track here. I've been going through a lot of health issues, massive pain, could barely get out of bed. And as I'm writing this, the Holy Spirit's like, you did this to rid fear out of your life, but you haven't done this to get the sickness out of your body. Isn't that funny? We can get really good in one spot, but then let a lot of other stuff go. Why am I not doing this for my finances? Why am I not doing this for my health? What results do you want? And that's what I have to ask myself. Do I want to get better? I mean, I know God said I'm healed and whole. It's mine. He daily gives it to me. So when am I going to put in the time and the effort and the dedication to get those results? Right? It's up to us to pick up that pencil and to do the work. I say pick up the pencil because as a teacher, I can give kids all the instructions and everything, but I can't make them pick up that pencil. They have to do it. And when they pick up that pencil, I come up along beside them and I help them. And I teach them. And we move on to the next level. And God's like that too. He comes up alongside you and he says, okay, you're picking up the pencil. Let's walk this out. I'm going to show you things you didn't see before. The same scriptures, the same sermons you heard, I'm going to show you something new about it. There's a book called The Rabbi from Burbank. This happened in the 1980s, and I lived down there, so I remember some of it. But I read the book, and it's a great book, and it's this man who's a rabbi, and he just wanted to grow closer to God. You know, he's a rabbi. He's already read the Torah, did all of his stuff, but he wanted to go back and reread the Torah for himself. I want to grow in my relationship with God. No other reason. But he got proximity. He put in the time and the dedication. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit started to illuminate things to him. It's the Torah. It's the prophets from Isaiah is what that is. A lot of the Old Testament stories is what they study. And he was doing it with Doresh, the the Jewish way of studying. And all of a sudden, he saw things and connections he had never seen before. And he got up in the synagogue in um, Burbank, California, and he said... I have come to the conclusion that Jesus was really the Messiah. Yeah, and then he was escorted by police out. So I remember that from the 1980s. But they did not like that. But he wasn't seeking that. He was seeking God. And God came right up along beside him and said, okay, we have proximity. I'm going to show you some things. Same stuff he'd read over and over and over. But suddenly... God was illuminating things to him, and he began to have this epiphany, and he began to see, Jesus really is the Messiah, right? There's so much. When you get that proximity to God, there's so much he can show you that you think you know from that scripture, and suddenly you see it in a whole new way, right? Proximity matters. Okay, 2 Corinthians 4.16. Jumping back in here. It says, therefore, do not lose heart. 
Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. There's that increment of time again that God established, that daily time. It's all over the Bible, the day by day, right? In Lamentations 3.23, you don't have to turn there, it talks about how his mercy is new every morning. Every morning. And I've come across some people that are like, well, I don't do that bad of things that I need mercy, right? But you know what? When Jesus hung on the cross and died, he said, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they do. You can be walking out your daily life and not know that what you're doing is wrong, that it's against what he has asked you to do. So praise God for his mercy every morning and every day. So in Leviticus 6 and 7, it talks about the priesthood. And these are the people that I talked about that could go to God and have that connection with him. And here's an interesting thing about it when you start to study the priesthood and everything that they had. They were always given every day. They were given daily portions. They were given incense to burn before God, animals to sacrifice. But here's something that I didn't really realize until I started to research this. They're actually given two daily portions. They're giving one for themselves to feed themselves, to care for their needs, to live on. But then they're also given a portion to minister with before the Lord and to minister to the people with. Those are the two portions. So when you're spending that daily time with God, when you're seeking him daily, you're getting a portion for yourself to praise God and stir yourself up with and a portion to minister to other people with. That's why that daily time is important, right? To pray for other people, to hear from God, to speak to somebody. Sometimes he tells you, talk to that person, send this text, when to call someone. In Matthew 10, 27, it says, what I, see, what I say to you in the dark, tell in the light. And what you hear whispered in the ear, proclaim upon the housetops. So what that verse is saying is what you hear in your daily time with God, what you're growing in with him, that's what you're also going to go share with others, right? The question is never, is God speaking? The question is always, am I listening, right? I talked about how I've walked up to fit and healthy people and asked them, how did you, you know, get to where you are, tell me your secrets, Right? Well, the same is true in your spiritual walk because there are some people that you can see that they have developed an amazing walk with God. You can see it on them, right? You can tell that they hear God in the midst of the chaos and the busy, that they're following him, that they're led by him. There's so many people in this room I could say are great resources for that. For me personally, when I first started coming here, it was Erin Francis. She's someone I looked at and I thought, wow. She is led by God. There's something that she's doing. And then it's that you get to talk to them and you find out they are having that daily time with God. That's where they're growing in him, learning how to be led by him. And just like you want to take someone who's fit and say, okay, I'm going to try and apply those to my life. Same in the spiritual world. How do you get where you're at? And I want to get those same results. It's not a, okay, you do you, that's over the top for me. If I want the same walk that I see that person having, then I'm going to have to put in the same amount of time and effort that they did to get those results, right? Wayne Cadero, in his book, it's called The Divine Mentor, he talks about 
the importance of that daily time with God. He said, a daily exposure to the Lord's heart and ways begins a transformation process. We begin to diminish, and he increases. Just like with exercise, when you are doing it in daily increments, a transformation process begins. And sometimes you don't see it right away. Sometimes it takes a while. But that transformation process is happening from the very first workout. Your muscles are strengthening. Things are getting into gear. Same with that daily time with God. He went on to say, it begins deep in our hearts, in our inner man. He tutors us, and he renews our souls with a trickle charge, not an overnight blast. Be still, he says, and know that I am God. I loved that line because he said it's not an overnight blast, right? When you begin working out, you don't just instantaneously get fit and healthy. When I began to get fear out of my life, that story I told you before, it didn't just take a week or a month. I was that dedicated to all of those things for over a year before you finally, I could tell I broke through. And it doesn't mean that fear doesn't still come. My husband is on his way home from Africa today. Woo! He still has that same type of job. Fear's there. But I know now. I knew I got the victory on it, and I know how to get it out. So when it comes, there's not even an ounce of any, no, I stop in its tracks, right? Because I put in the time and the dedication and the effort to achieve those results. But it took time and dedication. When we're having our daily time with God, it's about listening to him, learning from the teacher. I have another little example out of that book I was telling you about called The Divine Mentor. Uh, Wayne was trying to play his guitar, and this, I don't know, maybe it was a coffee shop. But all of a sudden, a lot of people started coming in, and a band started playing, and it was getting loud and crazy. And he said, I put my right ear onto the wood itself of his guitar. And then lo and behold, regardless of how loud the music raged, I could still hear my acoustic guitar. But it wasn't because my guitar got any louder. It was because my ear got closer. Right? God will always be speaking, but sometimes in order to hear him, we have to bend our ears so that we will hear the very vibrations of his heart, right? I mean, it's amazing if you think about it, a band playing and everything, but if you just put that ear to that guitar and you're strumming it at the same, you can hear it just as clear, right? Proximity, how close are you following him? It's in those daily moments when we get our ears closer to God that we can tune out the chaos and the busy of this world and renew ourselves in him daily, right? He was able to tune out everything going on when he put his ear to his guitar. So here's something else. The devil understands days. He understands daily and the day by day and the increments. He gets that. Right? And he works every single day as well. He doesn't take a vacation. How many wish he did? I do. Yeah. Right? Here's something else that Patsy Caminetti said, and I loved it. It was just so profound for me. She was talking about the devil. And she said, just know this. When you take a vacation, know that he didn't. So then, do you take your Bible on vacation? Are you still doing your daily time, even on your weekend trip? 
Well, I'm just taking a weekend break with the girls and leaving behind all my, you know, we're just having fun for just, it's just a weekend, right? Well, guess what? The devil put that weekend break on his calendar. He doesn't take a break. He's not nice. There are some people where the devil says, okay, I'm not going to work so hard on Sunday because they, they show up on Sunday and they seek God on Sunday. And meh. But Tuesday through Saturday, block that time out. Why? Because they're not being consistent. They're not daily showing up to God, so the devil's going to make sure we'll all daily show up. Right? He doesn't take a break. Genesis 39.10, and I'm going to show this through some examples. You don't have to turn there. You have Joseph in Potiphar's house, right? And Potiphar's wife is trying to come after him and come after him. And the Bible says she did it every single day. See, when we read that story and tell that story in children's church and stuff, we tell it as if it was a one-time event. She tried to come on to, the, to Joseph, and he, he rebuked her and all that. No, no. It says she did it every single day. It wasn't just one event. See, the devil comes every single day in hopes of wearing you down. Samson and Delilah. It says she vexed him every single day. Why? To get the secret out of him. She came every day looking for an opportunity when he would let down and not resist her. And on the day he did, she destroyed him. Right? Saul came after David every single day. I mean, the devil hates everyone in this room as much as Jesus loves everyone in this room. Right? You've got to remember that sometimes. Now, just because the devil's working hard to get a life, to get a marriage, to get a family, God is calling his people to respond to him on a daily basis. And when we show up daily with God, then we're working with heaven on a daily basis. And we're getting strengthened on a daily basis. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. So it doesn't matter that the devil's trying every day. It's real easy to squash him when we're connected with God every day. Right? So then it becomes, don't give the devil an inch. Don't give him a day. Well, I have a busy day. You just don't understand. Then you know what? You set your alarm a little earlier so you have that time with God. Because if you give him a day, he's going to take the day. Right? And I have a demonstration about that in just a little bit. Don't give him a day. Don't do it. If you want to keep victory, keep being an overcomer, it doesn't take a good service. It takes a good life. A daily walking with God. So, I have another photo for Joe to put up, or one of the nice young men. Thank you. It says, I run on coffee and Jesus. How many of you have seen those things? Yeah. If you know me, you know that I love. That's right. I drink it all day long. It's like a thing, right? And I was looking at this last night. Poor Joe. I literally sent him this picture at almost 11 o'clock at night. But I was looking at this last night, and I thought, oh, I run on coffee and Jesus. And I was like, oh, I like that. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said, if you really sought Jesus as much as you make sure you have your coffee, how different would your life be? I was like, ooh, yeah. I mean, it's a fun saying, but is it actuality in my life? I mean, I do, but in that moment, I can honestly say I, I definitely run on coffee more. Because I ensure that my coffee is filled when I get out of bed. Like my coffee pot's already on. I get my coffee in the morning. I pack it for my lunch. Sometimes I have afternoon coffee. And I thought, am I waking up every morning ready for Jesus? Am I taking him with me to my job? Spending time with him during lunch? 
in the evening? Am I truly running on coffee and Jesus? Right? I mean, that was just a moment for me last night where he was like, are you? And some days, yes. But what's the one word? Consistency. When you don't have the consistency, I'm still not going to get the results I want. Right? I mean, I'm sharing this with you, but it's something I'm working on in my own life. Right? Okay, now I did say that I was going to demonstrate some, some stuff for you. So, I'm going to ask for some volunteers. I'm going to get Caleb. Please, no. Come here. Isaac. You guys can just stand right here. We're going to go with Pastor Michael. I'm going to get Zoe. Sophie. Isaac, you can be right up here. There you go. Uh, let's do Billy on this side. You're on this side. <laughs> there you go. Okay. No, I'm going to stick you over there with them. You're going to go on that side. Okay. So I have a rope. Don't pull it and throw them. <laughs> Come here, girls. Okay. So you have a rope. We might have to do some slack here. There we go. Grab onto the rope. You two can hold the same thing. There you go. But don't pull yet. Nobody pull. Okay. Does this look like a fair version of tug of war to you? Yeah. No. <laughs> Zoe's strong. <laughs> Come on, Zoe. You're my daughter. You're strong. So, <laughs> so tug of war is when you pull someone over the line, they lose ground and you win, right? Okay. So you just told me this does not seem fair. But spiritually speaking, our tug of war is not fair either because Jesus already gave us the victory, right? And any enemy you and I would face, Jesus already defeated and made a show of them openly. He's placed us far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. So no matter what, it's always going to be unfair because Jesus already won for us. This is how we look, right? You guys are believers who know their authority in Christ, right? And over here, I love you both, like the weakling demons that are constantly pulling at you. Remember I said the devil never, never saw? I know. I love you. It's okay. It's not fair, but that's how it is in the spiritual world. So now I want you to see this. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> so in our spiritual walk, there's a constant pulling. Now, if you guys were to pull and you guys pull, you can grab two hands, what's going to happen? They're naturally going to go this direction, right? Did they apply much effort? No. No. Okay, hold back on. So on Sunday, they're pulling that way, right? Monday, maybe a little bit more. But here comes Tuesday, and they don't have the time right now. So you're going to hold the rope, but you're not going to pull. Now, you're going to walk your feet, though, please. You're all huge. You're not pulling. you got to come this way. Come th there we go. So on Tuesday, they're not pulling. On Wednesday, they're not pulling. On Thursday, they're not pulling. Friday, maybe a little bit. Saturday, no. We have weekend plans, man. And now we're back to Sunday. So go ahead and pull just a little bit. Sunday, keep going. Sunday, Sunday. Stop, it's Monday. Now, what happened? Did he make it back over here where he started? No, he lost a little bit of ground, didn't he? Now, if every week you keep letting Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe you're good on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, now he's here. What's happening every time? Just a little bit of ground every time. Go ahead. Thank you, guys. Give them a round of applause. See, it's done in increments, isn't it? 
you heard, Brian Isaac. It's increments. You're always having this spiritual tug of war, but when you say, I don't have time for God today, then the devil, he doesn't stop pulling. They were never going to win, but when you stop, they just keep pulling. And you think, oh my gosh, she's so big, the devil's just doing so much. Really, you're ginormous and you have the upper hand, but you stopped pulling, right? And every day, I mean, you might, okay, I'm getting back on track, I'm getting back on track, but you don't quite make it all the way back because of the consistency. And every time you lose a little bit more ground, a little bit more ground, and then you wake up one morning and you say, what happened to my marriage, my family? Where, what happened? Where was your consistency, your time, your discipline, your effort, all week long, every day, right? We have to commit today to having a daily walk with God. It's listening to a teaching, praying, reading some verses, blasting worship music. And right now I'm going to take a quick second and speak to all of my kids in this room, my intermediate kids, second through fifth, but youth, you as well, everyone. We just started this uh, new thing in intermediate where we give the kids a scripture, and they follow this plan. It's called SOAP, S-O-A-P. So S is the scripture, right? I started with Psalms 145.2. You know, we bless the Lord every day. That's the one that they're going to work on. O is what do you observe about the verse? They take a moment to read the verse and think about it. What do they observe about it? And then the A is how do you apply that in your life? How can they apply that scripture at school and in their daily walk? And then P is what prayer would they have based on that scripture? I mean, it's not hard. It's really that simple. It's opening your Bible every day and looking at the word, thinking about it. How do I apply it? And having that connection with God, right? It's doable. It's something that can be done. Everyone in here can pray every day. You don't have to pray 24 hours a day all the time without stop. It's not the workout people who are working out six hours a day eating baby leaf lettuce. Those people are just crazy, right? No, it's the ones that are consistent with just a little bit every day, growing, strengthening your body, right? I started a, a program, it's called Pio, but when you start, I could not do half of those things, right? But then you notice a few weeks in, suddenly you're doing it. And I might be just doing it on my knees, but I'm doing it. And then a few weeks in, now I'm on my toes and my hands, and I'm getting stronger. And it just almost seems like it happens overnight, but your body is getting stronger, and you're growing, and you're changing, and that transformation process is happening, right? So spiritually speaking, it's the person who is consistently setting aside time for God, seeking God, listening to him, watching what music they listen to. You can't be blasting praise music one minute and then Eminem the next and think it's all hunky-dory. I mean, I'm going to be real honest. I was a teen. I know. But it's true, Right? What friends are you choosing to hang out with? What choices are you making? If you know you have a massive day the next day, maybe you are going to be extremely busy, then pre-plan that you're going to take some time for God. How are you going to do that? Because remember, you don't want to give the devil the day. So maybe that means you are disciplined to wake up an hour earlier. Or you're going to carve out this time period right here during my lunch break. I'm going to go sit in my car and I'm going to make sure that I'm having that daily time with God. Right? How can you make sure? And not just, okay, I'm going to fit it in really fast, five minutes, go. 
It's not the same thing, right? So the question always comes back to what results do you want in your life? It's a question I ask myself a lot. What do I want? What am I willing to do to get it? Wayne Cadoro told this other story. He was a youth pastor for a few years, and during a summer camp, they had this practice, I thought of you guys, <laughs> but they would wake up the kids at midnight on the second day. The youth were not happy, right? They go in, because the first night, they stayed up real late. So the second night, they go in there, and they woke them up at midnight, okay? And they took them on a midnight hike, and they lined them up in an open field, and he said they looked like tired Ewoks, and he said we'd weave them. <laughs> all the youth of it. They'd weave them in a single file line all over, I want to make sure I don't, through this pre-planned route with one catch. Only the youth leaders had the flashlights. Hmm, right? He said, we knew where we were going, but the di kids didn't have a clue. So you're woken up, you're in the dark, and you're following your youth pastors, and you, you have to maintain what? Because they're the only ones with the flashlight, right? And it was done on purpose. It was an intentional thing. He said they did it to keep them near us. The whole goal would be to stay near to those who knew the way, right? And here's the best part. What they didn't know is what they were taking them to was a crackling campfire with s'mores and hot chocolate waiting for them, right? <laughs> just tell you now. Just tell them. <laughs> So I love that story because sometimes we don't know the why. They didn't know why they were getting woken up at midnight saying, you have to follow me in the dark, in the cold. We're following God sometimes, and it feels like we're just running around exhausted, frustrated, cold, tired, wondering, why can't we just have the flashlight? I just want to know where I'm going, right? Just tell us where we're going. And like those kids, we all have a choice. We can choose to just stop following. It's too much. I want to go back to bed. It's too hard, right? Or we can choose to stop for a moment. I'm going to stop. I'm going to nap, and then I'll, I'll come back on the path. But then when you do that, everyone's gone, and you're not entirely sure where everyone went. And now you're left trying to figure it out on your own, right? Or you can choose, like the kids did, to stay up close, to keep our proximity to God, to daily meet him. As, and as we do this, he is leading us to that place of victory, Right? He's leading us to a place of abundance, a place we didn't know about, of wondrous things. When you're trusting God and believing God, sometimes he takes you to something you didn't even see coming, and you're like, oh, praise God. Wasn't it great that you didn't spend that whole time in fear and anxiety and worrying and trying to figure it out on your own? You gave it to him, you casted your care to him, and you just kept following him, believing that he truly is a good God that loves you, and it's going to bring you to victory. So pastors have been preaching on Ephesians and putting on the whole armor of God. This isn't a monthly or weekly thing either. It's a daily thing, isn't it? Every day you put on the helmet. You have your eye guard. Thank you, God, you're going to protect what I see, what I hear, what I speak. Every day you're putting on those shoes of peace and you're picking up that shield of faith. You have your scriptures prepared for whatever comes. It's not going to wear you down. Remember, I said the devil never takes a day off. But when we never take a day off of putting on our armor and suiting up, then we are able to stand against anything, right? Now, I'm almost finished, I promise. But I want you to think back to the whole tug-of-war scenario I gave you. It was not hard 
for Pastor Michael and Caleb and Isaac to pull. It wasn't hard. Were they, and Billy. Were they sweating buckets and, oh, my gosh, and just trying with all of their might? No. But it did take consistency on their part in order to keep moving in the right direction. Right? And did you notice I did put some grown-ups over here and some really tall kids, but I also had some younger kids because it doesn't matter how young you are as a believer. When you are a believer and Jesus is on your side, it doesn't matter how young you are. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You're always going to be on that side. Right? It didn't take effort. I mean, some, he had to keep moving, but he wasn't exhausted and cumbersome. Right? But it did take consistency. When you are seeking God daily, it's not supposed to be tiring and exhausting. We shouldn't be worn out and stressed out after our time with God. No, that's religion. I'm talking about a relationship with God, right? It's different. Brandon Brim said this one time. He said, God refreshes you and religion drains you. You shouldn't leave a prayer time with God exhausted. You should leave refreshed, renewed, it shouldn't be that you have this time with God and now, oh my gosh, my day, I'm so behind. It shouldn't be like that. You leave that time with God ready. I'm even more joyful, more at peace, more prepared for my day. Right? So there's two things I want to leave you with today. One is the words daily, every day, and proximity. Meditate on those words. Think about those words. What does that mean to you in your life? Where is your proximity to God, right? Meditate on those words. Stir them up inside of you. Then I want you to also keep the image of this tug of war in your mind. When we stop pulling, when we stop being consistent, when we give the space, the devil doesn't stop and ground is lost, isn't it? Now, you can always, in Jesus, you can always take that ground back and go farther but we don't want to end up over here and work even harder to get back to where we were, right? So just remember that image of I'm always stronger. It's easy. But when I stop, I'm going to lose ground. So let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm going to do two things. One, I'm going to talk to the person who may be sitting here today or online who doesn't even have Jesus in their heart. They're not on this side where they're a believer with their authority in God. They're over here. And you're sitting there thinking about that and you're like, well, I really want to be over here. And you want Jesus. And you want to walk that path. If that's you today, you need Jesus in your heart. You do not have him. I just ask that when I count to three, you'll raise your hand. You're not going to get up. If you're at home, raise your hand too, even if you're the only one in that room. And we're going to say a prayer all together. So one, if that's you, and you're saying, I do want to get on that side of that rope. Two, you want to experience that overwhelming, never-ending love of God. Three, just raise your hand at home or in the building. And we're going to say a prayer all together. So repeat after me. Say, Father God. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for me, that he was raised from the dead for me. I am ready to follow you. 
I am ready for you to illuminate things to me and walk this life with me in Jesus' name. Now, if you're here today and you're like me when I started getting this sermon and you think, my proximity is not where it should be. I have not been consistent and dedicated and put in the effort to achieve certain results. If that's you today and you're sitting there and saying, I want to just raise my hand and tell God I'm going to close that gap. I'm going to bring in my proximity. I'm going to make sure nothing comes between me. If that's you, go ahead and raise your hand today. Saying, I want more of you, God. I want to close that gap. So repeat after me. Say, Father God, I've missed you. I know the results I want. I want to grow strong in my relationship with you. I want to get to know you and experience all parts of you. Father God, I'm ready to tuck in, to close the gap, and to keep my proximity to you. I am ready, God. Show me what you have waiting for me. In Jesus' name, amen.